Well, hello and welcome back to Battle Plan, a podcast on spiritual warfare. Uh, I'm enjoying our continuing study about uh, things that can uh, make a difference in uh, our our daily Christian walk, our spiritual life, and I I am hoping that you're benefiting from the ideas that we're learning and sharing uh, about putting our faith into action at active-faith.org and especially our focus on spiritual warfare. Today I'm going to cover a question that is a, a common question asked often when I speak at events on the topic of spiritual warfare. What if staking causes something bad? I've had people as afraid to stake out their property, their home, their business, um, because it, it might you know, make the enemy mad. The unseen enemy would be stirred up and attack. Uh, I do think that's good to have an awareness that as you get involved in uh, being more active as a Christian, more faithful as a prayer warrior, that yes, you'll be a little bit more of a target. But don't forget, he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. And I, I think that it's always a benefit to a Christian to uh, demonstrate their faith by displaying uh, an action, different ways we take action. Uh, I think it makes God smile. Let me start with a verse from uh, 1 Kings 19. Uh, this is when Eli Elijah had prayed down fire from heaven and won the day. Uh, and when he did that, he put a target on himself. The bad queen Jezebel was furious and vowed to kill him before the day was over. Now, did she? Did she kill him? Let's look at the story. 1 Kings 19, 1-4, NLT says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, talking about Mount Carmel and calling down fire from heaven, and then killing the 400 prophets of Baal, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, little g, plural, gods, strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. So it brought depression. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then skip down to 1 Kings 19, verses 9 and 10. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. A few verses later, God told him there were 7,000 other Jews who had not bowed the knee to Baal. So Elijah was number 7,001. God knows exactly who has submitted to the plans of the enemy and who has stayed faithful to him. Years later, 2 Kings 9, 30 to 36, talks about the day of Jezebel's death. Uh, it says, when Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Jehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat at a window. When Jehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted to him, apparently from the window, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You're just like Zimri, who murdered his master. 
Jehu looked up and saw her at the window above there and shouted, who's on my side? And two or three of the eunuchs who were surrounding Jezebel looked out at him. Throw her down, Jehu yelled. So they threw her out of the window and her blood splattered against the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. Then Jehu went into the palace and ate and drank. Afterward, he said, someone go bury this cursed woman, for she is the daughter of a king. But when they went out to bury her, they found only her skull, her feet, and her hands. When they returned, they told Jehu. He stated, this fulfills the message from the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah the Tishbe. At the plot of land in Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's body. So now let me share with you a story that I got from someone that asked the question, you know, what if, what if uh, a stake and, and something bad happens? In light of this example, I would say that Elijah standing up for God and truth actually put a target on him. But God preserved him, protected him, rescued him, and delivered him. In fact, he never saw death. Horses of fire and chariots of fire came to pick him up and take him to heaven. My people, many people ask, you know, what if this causes something bad? Some have been afraid to stake. At first, I would say it's always important to stand up for God and truth and the power of his word. It will always be rewarded. But that doesn't mean things will work out just like you expect. The following story from a real life situation emailed to me recently illustrates this. He calls it testimony about the stakes around my house. I met a woman that would soon become my wife after two and a half months of dating. About six months after the marriage, things started changing for the worse. I had to give up everything that I enjoyed doing and all of my time and money had to go to her failing business. Then she started degrading me and belittling me in every way. And I fell into a deep depression. I went to counseling at her request. She told me that I was very sick and I needed help. I attended three personal counselors, all of which said that my feelings were justified because of what I was going through in the home. We also attended two marriage counselors together who told me that I needed to divorce her as quickly as possible. I had approached her on a few occasions to offer a divorce because it seemed that she was so unhappy with me and that I was just not living up to her expectations as a husband. I was financially drained as well as emotionally drained and didn't realize it at the time, but also psychologically drained. She said that she was not going to leave the home, that this was her home and that we were just going to have to work it out and that she would meet me where I am. She also said that one day I would be able to get over my anger and my depression. She started sleeping in another room and would not come into the bedroom with me and would not do anything to try to work things out. If we did try to work things out, she twisted things around and ended up getting mad and walking away and not talking to me. My sister had reached out to me and showed me the stakes with the Bible verses on them and asked me if I'd be interested in staking my home because she knew what I was going through. I told her that I did not have any money to buy the stakes. She said she would buy them if I would just put them out and pray over my home. She received the stakes and met me to give the stakes to me. It was the perfect opportunity because my wife was going to be gone for the most of the day. I staked the home, prayed over every single stake, prayed through my house and over all my property. I demanded all evil spirits leave 
in the name of Jesus, that they had no dominion over my home, that I'm a child of God, and that this is God's house, and they have no place here. At the next counseling session, I prayed and fasted all day and asked God to speak through the counselor to reveal to me what I should do in this situation. I did not want to get a divorce. I did not want to end the marriage, even though it was very toxic. I attended the counseling session alone. The marriage counselor that we both were seeing asked me what I was doing and why I had stayed in this marriage for so long. This was a Christian counselor. She had asked me if I thought about filing for divorce. I told her that I had an appointment with an attorney to just talk about it. And then I ended up filing for divorce immediately. She offered to move out. Let me say that again. He filed for divorce and immediately she offered to move out. She had been claiming she was going to stay there. It was her house, even though it was his. Once she realized I had filed for divorce, she took everything she could and left the front doors open and left the home. I'd been praying for her healing every night since our marriage. She claimed to have PTSD due to abuse in her previous marriage. She had eventually revealed to me after we'd gotten married that she was a topless dancer for years, and I was devastated. The way she lived in her life appeared to be godly. I did not understand at all what was going on. I started doing research and looked up the spirit of Jezebel. It described her to a T. So in my research, it said that it is the hardest spirit to get delivered from. And the person that has a spirit has to openly admit they have it, repent, and allow it to be cast out. She was not going to do that because she thinks she's holier than thou and that I was the one who had the problem, not her. Everything in the marriage was my fault. It was pretty amazing that after I staked the house that she was gone within two weeks. I just want to give you this testimony because I think it's important for people to know. I'm still working on healing. Being in an abusive relationship like that where there is demonic influence, it's very hard to recover from. All the deception and lies have completely drained me and it felt like there's just no hope. I still have the stakes around my house and there have been some people who that have come to my house and have never come back. I do believe that this is God's protection over me in my home. Thank you for the stakes and for the ministry you're doing. They helped me quickly get out of a toxic relationship that would never have worked out. Now, I'm I'm sort of learning that um, when you put this fence, this protection of God around your place with the power of his word, that people who are just sort of uh, dabbling in evil uh, can still come on the property. And the evil being attached to them sort of has to stand outside. It can't enter. It's like an invisible, invisible electric fence. Okay, But people who are committed to evil can't come on the property. I've had people literally lift their foot and try to step onto the property and couldn't, or come by stake the classroom or their office and people would not come in there anymore. In this case, she had he had friends coming over before after he staked the house, they wouldn't come back anymore. And so a wife that is dabbling in evil, you know, she'd been a topless dancer. Everybody can repent of anything. We've all done things in the past we're not proud of that we need deliverance from, that we need forgiveness for. But if you're committed to evil, if you're not committed to God, if you're committed to evil, you can't stand to be on property that's been uh, given to God and, and exercise the authority of God by staking it and claiming it for him. But if you're dabbling in it, there's hope for you. When you dabble in, if they stake out a church and people that were dabbling in evil come into the church, now the evil being has to stand outside. Guess what? Now they can hear the sermon clearly because the voices in their head 
don't happen when they're not right there with them. See, they're outside waiting for you to return to the area where they can, you know, re-affect you. Hope that makes sense, but I've seen it over and over and over. So in light of today's thoughts, let me suggest part of your personal battle plan might be to stake your home and see who refuses to come over anymore. You might pray like this. Lord, please use the power of your word to help me see who I need to be friends with and who I need to avoid. In Jesus' name. And let me remind you to keep praying because prayer works. God loves you and I love you. Have a great day.